0: We're back. It's time for another Mainland Podcast. Boy, the off-season goes by slowly. It's uh, it's only once a month that we do this, and it just feels like forever in between these things. Anyway, I'm Michael Citro, managing editor of the Uh our little SB Nation Orlando City blog. Joining me is senior columnist Andrew Harrison, world traveler. Uh, Andrew, how are you? I'm having a good one. I
1: totally agree with you about the off-season going by slowly, though. So... Let's get it. It's crazy. <laughs> it's incredible. I feel like it It was going so quickly until Christmas, and then it just ground to a halt.
0: Well, we were supposed to be uh, joined by Daniel McGann, who is uh, working for EA Sports these days, and they must be having a good time, because their meeting ran long out on the West Coast, and Daniel will not be joining us. But, Andrew, you and I will talk a little bit about Orlando City. Uh, since we've last spoken on these airwaves, we've uh, we've had a few you know, new faces, and the team has reported for training camp, which uh, is pretty cool because the preseason is upon us.
1: Oh, yeah, I, I, I think it's starting to get my juices flowing that they uh, are, everybody's getting a little bit closer. You know, we've had already a preseason friendly announced, and it, it's, getting, it's getting ready close, and we can start to see what we're actually going to see on opening day. Um, it looks like it's shaping up to be interesting after all the recent signings.
0: Yeah, and it's, uh, it's just a lot of stuff coming up. We know we've got uh, February 13th at Jacksonville Armada is the uh, the preseason match. that's one of the preseason friendlies that's been announced. There's also one coming up against the Red Bulls, and um, we don't have a time on that. I don't think we have a venue on that officially yet either, but uh, uh, so that's cool. We've got a couple of preseason things to look forward to. We've got uh, February 9th will be an open practice at the Citrus Bowl. And uh, they're going to unveil the new road kits, so that's going to be fun. And uh, there's something going on tomorrow night at Lake Nona. Actually, by the time this thing airs, uh, it'll be tonight at Lake Nona. And uh, we're not really sure what's going on there, but they've got uh, uh, you know, representatives from the club. Phil Rollins will be there. Kaka will be there. And also um, a big wig from uh, this uh, investment group that. Uh, uh, I don't really know a whole lot about, but uh, I don't know if they're just going to announce that there's new investors in the team or if the investment was made to maybe, you know, purchase some land or, you know, do some things, maybe a new training facility. I mean, there's there's some speculation, but uh, uh, we don't have the inside scoop at this point, so all we can do is wait. But in the meantime, we did have some news since our last podcast. Uh, as, as I said, preseason has started. We've got players out on the field and at uh, Sylvan Lake Park. Uh, training every day, not just for Orlando City, but also the Orlando City B guys are involved in this as well. And uh, we'll get a little bit more into Orlando City B a little bit later. They just had their uh, schedule announced. But some new faces, Andrew, some some veterans of the uh, MLS, of MLS, not the MLS, because that doesn't make any sense. Uh, and uh, also a newbie. Uh, we've, uh, we start off with um, just after we last aired. Uh, just after that one with uh, Coach Tom Cermani of the Pride, the uh, the club picked up uh, Kevin Alston from New England Revolution in the uh, the waiver draft, and um, also uh, shortly thereafter um, made a deal with Toronto to pick up Joe Bendick, goalkeeper, and uh, so they are both here in Orlando. We met them on Monday out at training, and... Uh, also, uh, just recently signed a young Honduran named Devron Garcia, uh, a midfielder. So um, uh, what do you make of these moves? And I, I know that, that Adrian Heath the other day at, at training said they'd still like to see a couple of moves made before the season starts, and, and they've got a little bit of time left with the uh, the various uh, transfer windows. Uh, what do you make of the moves made so far and what still needs to be done?
1: Um my first feeling is that they're all solid pickups. Um, they're, they're good squad guys that have experience that can potentially add something to this roster. Um, I like the pickup of Alston. He's got pace and um, he can play both sides of the field for those wing back positions that are so important to Heath's system. Um, he's also got a little bit to prove he's coming back. He's, he's still struggling to really continue to make a name for himself, but I, I really like that pickup. Um, Joe Bendik, I'm not too sure he's really that much of an improvement over Tally Hall, um, if any, but I, I think that we needed to get somebody who could stay healthy, be a consistent player for this team, um, but also help grow some of the younger guys that we've got on the roster. Um, Devin Garcia, we've we, only just recently announced, we've still got a lot to see from him, um, I think in terms of moving forward, we have to find a, a striker to help Laren up there. Um, we all know the dangers of that sophomore slump. Um, we have to find somebody that's going to h- keep him confident, but also allow him to have those off days and continue our success that we need for this season.
0: Yeah, you know, it's it's funny because MLS gets a, a little bit of a rap as being a you know a bit of a retirement league for players and that's kind of almost exactly what Orlando City needs uh-huh. is one of those one of those strikers that's coming over here that's not going to be wanting to play 90 minutes every day will be happy to go off the pitch and let the young kid you know get out there and play some and and yet you know has enough quality to to bag you know plenty of goals and, and worry defenses and that's kind of the guy that they sort of need and I don't know if they're going to find one by the time the season starts or the transfer window closes or whatever. Uh, but I'd like to see that. You, you mentioned Joe Bendick. One thing that Joe does is he gets the club a little bit younger, at goalkeeper, as you mentioned, uh, Tally Hall coming off uh, two knee surgeries. Um, you know, maybe there was some concern there about whether or not he could, he could remain healthy. Uh, Tally is a, is a great shot stopper, uh, you know, as you know, when, when he's healthy. But the, the problem is, um, in this league, it doesn't seem, but maybe a handful of keepers, and maybe not even a handful, that can actually make differences in games. If you can make it to the to, to the point where you're an MLS starter, you're probably. I mean, it's kind of like drafting a kicker in fantasy football. You know, you're not, you, you know, that your best and your worst. There's not going to be that big of a gap between probably. So I, I think Joe Bendick was a good move in, in terms of it saves the club a little money, gets the club a little younger. He's a veteran. Uh, So he has experience. He's experienced playing for a team that made the playoffs last year, as is Kevin Alston. Really what I like about those two guys is they bring MLS experience for playoff teams. And that's something that you can't really put a a price tag on in terms of trying to get a new team to the playoffs for the first time. Um, Obviously he's not an upgrade from Tally Hall and he's maybe a bit of a downgrade, but again, you're getting younger and you're getting uh, cheaper and freeing up money for other things, and I think you're not going to see a huge drop-off in, in position. Now, Now Toronto allowed 58 goals last season playing a pair of goalkeepers, but that was mostly due to a, a roster that was put together to score goals. They were put together to score a bunch of goals, make the playoffs, and, and, and you know, draw excitement, and, and they really put all their eggs in that sort of basket. They didn't really look to become a club that was looking to – to you know keep from conceding and playing behind the ball that's not the kind of club toronto uh, fc was last year so i don't really have too much of a concern about joe bendick uh he's probably going to give up some goals that we think he shouldn't have given up and uh you know he'll make some saves and and the hardest thing for joe bendick is that he's replacing a very very popular player
1: i totally agree and i think you know he you you basically just described the life of a goalkeeper he's going to make some amazing saves that we're going to be like how the heck did he do that and then he's going to drop some and concede some goals and we'd we'll be like how the hell did he let that goal in uh i that, that's the life of a goalkeeper I, I i agree that toronto was not set up to be a stalwart defense they knew what they were doing their plan was to allow giovinko to take them to the playoffs and that took place um Getting some solid center backs in front of him, I think, will sure him up. I think you're right, though. He has a lot of people that he's got to win over in the wall to be the first choice in the hearts of fans um, for mm-hmm. Orlando City on the field.
0: Yeah, and to his credit, he knows that because the first thing he said to us uh, on Monday was that what stood out to him coming to Orlando was the size of the crowd and how loud they were. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was very impressed by that, so he's you know giving a shout-out to the fans here right away. Kevin Alston's an intriguing player. He's extremely fast. Um, he's going to push Rafael Ramos very much on that right-back uh, position, and he's a guy that you're not going to worry if you need a veteran presence. He's going to go out there and play for you. Uh, Rafael Ramos, young player, uh, as we saw, can lose his head a bit at times, can get lost a bit defensively at times. Uh, now, you know, right backs like Kevin Alston, guys that like to get forward, they're going to get out of position from time to time. That's just a, ma- a matter of fact. Uh, Alston's going to be in, one of those guys who can get forward and, and join in the attack, and that's what Adrian Heath loves to have is those fullbacks that can get forward. If you have fullbacks in the back with Brex Shea and Kevin Alston's speed, you're probably going to, you know, spend some time in the offensive third, I'm thinking. Um the knocks on Kevin Allston is his, his crossing. I've heard he's a decent passer if he keeps the ball on the ground. It's kind of what we heard a little bit about Corey Ash. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's a guy who's 27 years old, little guy. He's a lot like Corey Ash um, and built a lot like him too. And I think it, he's going to be a guy who, who can really help the team, if for no other reason than to really push Rafael Ramos on the right side. I, I
1: think he's offering that ability to really shore up. A position that, you know, I don't think anybody really saw Ramos getting that many games last season. But out of necessity, he did. He played well, but sometimes he got a little bit overstressed. I think they weren't always his best moments. And, you know, through adversity of being challenged for that position will make him a better player. Um, And having that pace and also allowing him to rest. You know, you can't run those kind of pacey moves in the season that we're hoping for. Um, it's going to be hot down here it's we're going to be traveling. You're going to need more legs and you can't just have one guy for that position. And so Alston is a solid pickup who has experience can maybe teach Ramos a thing or two. um, And is also a guy who just loves playing the game. He's had a tough road to continue playing his career. And I think that's something that we also love as a team in a front office.
0: Yeah. I always like to pull for an underdog. Um, all right, so, uh, it, you know, Devron Garcia, a guy we don't know much about. He's a, he's a young Honduran uh, international, was uh, a teammate in the U-20 team with Brian Roches. So uh, he's that was a talented team. He's obviously got some talent. So it, it'll be interesting to see if he makes the big club, if he goes to Orlando City B, that kind of thing. And uh, it's certainly an area of depth for Orlando City um, defensive midfield. Um Why don't we move on now and talk a little bit about the drafts. We had two drafts since our last podcast. We've had the uh, NWSL draft, and uh, let's start with the MLS Super Draft. Orlando City goes um, with a need. Attacking midfielder of the future, Richie Larea, uh, was the pickup out of Akron, and uh, he's, again, a a small guy with speed. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Kevin Molino. very impressed with the video that I saw on him, but this was not considered a very deep draft. What are your thoughts on Richie Larea, and do you think he's a guy who can stick with the senior club in year one?
1: I think he's a player that has potential. I think it's once again going to come down to, you know, we need that midfielder. Is Kaká go- you know, he's another year older. Um, as much as that's a taboo subject, potentially around certain things, um, <laughs> we're going to need some fresh legs. He's going to need somebody to be able to spot him off in places. Obviously, we've got Molino returning, which is going to be a benefit to him. Um, but I think Lorea is going to have a chance to learn from a, two great guys in Kakara and Molino and be able to not be thrown in at the deep end, but learn his trade the way that you really want him to, which is get 20 minutes at the end of a game when he can come on, run a tired defense, and make that little bit of a difference and make them slip up. Um, I think he'll split his time between OCB and and the front team. Um, I don't expect him to get a lot of starts, though, as long as everybody remains healthy. I think the club will want to make sure that they can mold him how they want to to be that potential replacement for the
0: future. Yeah, I agree with you. I think um uh the second uh second pick for Orlando City, they trade up into the first round, they take Haji Berry, a forward slash midfielder from right here in Central Florida at UCF. Uh what were your thoughts in terms of that pick and is that is that just a hometown uh, you know, Hail Mary trying to trying to find a player or uh, do you think that they see something in this kid?
1: I think you got to think that they see something. They traded up. I know we didn't have that much luck potentially with draft players last year. You know, we Barrett left. Um, obviously, we had Laron, who was a great success, and Donovan got hurt. So you can't really judge him. But I think that it was interesting that we moved up for those spots because I think Barry might have actually still been available um, further down when our second spot came up. Um, at 13, I believe it was. Um, so it was interesting that we moved up. I think it's a good pickup on the home side perspective to try to maybe get some people who followed UCF football over to, um, Orlando city and OCB in general potential. Um, but we'll see. I mean, we don't know too much about him. Um, but UCF is a good soccer school. So he has that potential pedigree,
0: um, to make a difference. That'll be interesting to see how he works out. Um, Second part of the draft was like a week later. Uh, It was by conference calls. We didn't really get a lot of information out of that. Uh, Orlando City did make uh, two more uh, selections, Antonio Matarazzo and Tobeno Uzo, on the second day of the Super Draft. And those are guys that, you know, like Cindy Rivera last year, they may may end up being fringe guys, may have trouble sticking. Uh, The good thing is Orlando City, with its own developmental team this year, can have a little bit more say in what happens to those types of players uh, than it had last year. And it, you know, with Louisville city, uh, when they sent Rivera up there, he couldn't get minutes and and it really didn't help him and and didn't help anybody involved. So it'll be interesting to see if they, uh, if the, either of those guys will, will pan out. We also had the college draft in the NWSL Andrew. And, uh, that was kind of interesting. Um, Were you able to watch that online?
1: I was able to watch it uh, during some time at work. Um, I really thought it was a good draft. I liked that they did it all in one day, um, and I thought they were pretty good about introducing the players and having them all interviewed afterwards. It was really good to get to meet them since you didn't necessarily know too much about them.
0: Yeah, I didn't know a whole lot about the players we took. I I do think that Orlando Pride uh, addressed some areas of need, uh, Sam Witteman was the first, uh, first selection, uh, in the history of the Orlando pride and in, in, in the college draft. And, uh, she seemed like, well, from what I've seen, and I've only seen film, uh, seems like a real good player for, for Tom Sermani to have picked up. And he seemed very excited about it.
1: He seemed really excited about it. And I think what we're seeing here is, you know, um, Somani. Unearthed some stars in his previous days with the end, with the women's soccer draft. I, and I think that's what he's done this time around he He's carefully scouted, he knew who he wanted um and he picked some really good players, I think that have the ability to really expand this roster for moving forward.
0: yeah, it'll be it'll you know I'm really excited to see this team on the field, and uh, you know one of the players that was picked up since the last time we talked was a uh, international defender from Australia, Steph Catley. Her team, her club team, uh, where she's on loan to now in Australia is playing in the Australian final against uh another team uh in the in the final for uh, the uh, the Australian league has also another uh Orlando Pride player, Jasmine Spencer. So uh it should be interesting uh to get those players and to get you know players like Leanne Sanderson and Alex Morgan and all of them into camp, it is going to be fun to see this team sort of take shape. I, I'm
1: really excited. I mean, we're already potentially going to have two champions on the team for whoever comes out of the Catley-Spencer battle in Australia. Uh, Leanne Sanderson won the Greek Women's League. Um, yep. I think that we've got some really great pedigree players. I mean, it's going to be an exciting season for women's soccer, um but also here definitely here in Orlando.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how fast Tom Sermani can get them to gel and play as a team because they there's individual talent that's probably as good as as almost any team in the league and it's just a matter of getting them all on the same page and I think that's one area where maybe he's he's got an advantage as being as international coach because he's used to incorporating new players very quickly <laughs> into new teams. So, uh it will be it will be interesting to see you know, how quickly they come together and, and, uh, and how they gel and, and, and who really emerges. Does, Alex Morgan has said all the right things, and so she seems like a leader. She seems like she's ready to be a leader not only for her club team but also for the U.S. women's national team. And um, she was captain uh, this past week in a friendly uh, against Ireland in a big 5-0 win. She had a couple of assists and a goal, and she wore the captain's armband because it was her 100th cap. Um, it'll be interesting to uh, to get out there and, and support these ladies. And, and uh, you know, in a lot of ways, women's soccer is more exciting than men's soccer because it just seems to be a, a lot of flow to it and not a lot of parking behind the ball.
1: Uh, uh, women's soccer has that um, – y- you can see them – working it out a little bit more sometimes you know they they don't have the they don't always just want to be going forward sometimes they're willing to push it back and and develop that plan a little bit better from the back um i I think it'll be really exciting i think people will be really surprised at the quality of women's soccer when they start to see it up close and rather than just always watching it on tv and really get to see some talent that they don't necessarily see if they only watch uh, the u.s women's games
0: Absolutely. I, I'm looking forward to it. And, and another thing I'm looking forward to is the return of the USL to central Florida. <laughs> uh, Orlando City B is going to be playing out in Melbourne and they've already started training. As I mentioned earlier, they're out at training with the senior club and it's, it's one big, huge mix of players. There's, there's uh you know, reserve players, there's first team players, there's uh, trialists. I mean, there's, there's a very nice, uh, you know, combination of of players out there and a lot of young guys. Um, you know, we just had this announcement uh, last month about that's actually a few weeks ago. This might have been since the last podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, seven seven new signings for Orlando City B, including uh, Pierre de Silva, who's uh, you know was in the academy, seventeen year old uh, U.S. U seventeen international, uh, Michael Cox, who's played with Canada. Uh, Kyle Callan McFadden, who's played over in the EPL over in England. Um, former Orlando City Lion Jonathan Mendoza, uh, all of them announced uh, recently. Um, Marius Obikop is uh, an interesting player, played with uh, New York Red Bulls, and uh, he's still just 21 years old. So uh, it, it's going to be a fun group to watch and to see how they come together and to see which of the Orlando City players from last year end up on this team. I mean, we, I think we can. Uh, we're going to talk about this more with our guest in a few moments, but uh, you know you got young guys like Tyler Turner and Estrella and Harrison Heath and Tommy Redding and Connor Donovan and, and guys like that who can who can uh, go down and, and get games where they couldn't last year, where they might have just been sitting on the bench. Um, also have another U.S. Youth International, Dembaque Yamba, known as Boxy. Uh, it, it's really ex- an exciting uh, lineup, an exciting roster they're putting together for Anthony Pulis.
1: Oh, I, I think it really harkens back to those days when I sitting back in the Citrus Bowl in 2011 when we're just seeing some really great talent take the field. Um, I think we've got great individual talent, but they've really put some great composite pieces together there to really make it an exciting product, but... Not just for the USL, but for the future in Orlando City's senior squad, too. Um, there's some really great, exciting, dynamic players that I think we're going to see out in Melbourne this year.
0: Including, uh, you know, goalkeeper Mason Stoddard, uh who is, uh, you know, the, the club is really, really high on him. But I'm, I'm looking through the roster, that just the rostered players that they've got on their team on OCB now. And you're looking at, you know, 22 years old, 20 years old, 23, 17, 22, 26. Jonathan Mendoza is the old man of the group. Uh, you know, 24, 21, 22, 19. And then, you know, some of the guys that are coming over from Orlando city from last year are only, you know, in that 19 to 22 year range as well. So it's going to be a very young team unless you count Lewis Neal, um, who's going to be doing some coach playing, playing and coaching, um, you know, he single-handedly will probably almost double the uh, the age of the team, right?
1: He's certainly going to bring up the average <laughs> age. Unfortunately for him, I'm sure you won't like to be reminded of that. Um, but he's really going to have to be that guy. He's going to have to be that engine room because he's going to know what he's doing. He's got the he's got the games under his belt, and he's going to have to spend time coaching those guys on where they need to be and what his vision is because potentially that's what they're going to be basing it around. He's he's going to be that that. Distribution network for people um, because they're all going to be wanting scoring goals, and he's going to have to rein them in and, and actually make it playable in a system.
0: And not many people know Adrian Heath's system as well as Lewis Neal knows it and, and how to play it and where to be positionally and all that. Uh, so it'll be he'll be a great addition and a great mentor for those kids. Uh, Orlando City B schedule came out this past week. They will open their season, their inaugural USL season. Uh, out in Melbourne at the Titan Soccer Complex. First game will be March 26th against Wilmington Hammerheads. Uh, got, they've got three of their first four games at home, which is a nice start for them. Their first road game, surprisingly, against Louisville City FC in Louisville Slugger Field.
1: Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, I, I remember my days watching Wilmington and Charleston before, which is the first two games at home. Um I like the matchup early in the season of the previous affiliates. Um, There's definitely going to be some grudge match there, I'm assuming. Um, It's an exciting season. I'm glad to see that we're we're back in USL. I really do love um, those games for what they represent. Um, The club where it really began, I know it's a new franchise, but it's still exciting to see those kind of young talent that we can see from the ground up and give those kids an opportunity to not let them have to go to college and leave, they can stay in that system and flourish.
0: Yep. And, uh, you know, we'll have Jeff Milby to cover some games for us up there. So, uh, (laughs) it would be nice to have Milby back, uh, back on. We'll have him on when the, when the team goes up and plays, uh, six straight home games for Orlando city B from May 1st to June 5th. So, uh, plenty of opportunities to see them out in Melbourne, uh, 15 home games, 15 road games, if I'm not mistaken, all the games are against the Eastern conference. And, uh, the, the setup that the USL has with a huge expansion the USL had this year is uh, they'll, ta- they'll take uh, the top teams from each conference, will battle out for a conference champion, and there will be no cross-conference games until the final. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if, if Anthony Poulos can put together a squad capable of making the playoffs in year one. And, you know, why don't we just ask him and find out? We're going to talk to him right now. All right, uh, joining us this month on the Mainland Podcast is uh, none other than Orlando City B head coach Anthony Pulis. Uh, Anthony, thanks for uh, joining us on the Mainland Podcast.
2: No problem at all, guys.
0: So I'm really excited to have you on, especially now that uh, preseason is here and training camp has begun, and I just wanted to sort of get your overview on, you know, the players that not only the new players that have been signed specifically for Orlando City B, but Maybe on, on some of the guys who you think might spend some time with the USL club uh, this year, how are they doing in camp, and uh, what are your first impressions?
2: Yeah, great. I mean, it's been a, it's been a really good week so far. Um, we've integrated the MLS squads and the USL squads together as one, um, so we've had a, a large number of bodies in training, which is unusual to have sort of we have 36 players out there today, so it's unusual to have that many players training as part of one group, but it's been it's been great. It's been good to see the, the USL players that that we've brought in um, and compare them to the MLS players that we already have. And it's also good for those USL players to almost sort of compare themselves to the MLS players and see the standard that we that we want and what we expect of them at some point.
1: Um, you talk about integration those players and um, obviously we know that you have to have an MLS contract to be able to go back and forth between OCB and MLS Um, have you identified anybody who is definitely going to be making those journeys between the two cities for for definite or some people are you certainly going to just give to OCB
2: Um, I think the way it stands at the moment I think uh, it looks like Tyler Turner will be with us, Uh, Mason will be with us um, the rest is, is yet to be determined. I think there will be three or four of the younger guys that, that may be back and forth, and, um, the likes of Harrison Heath, Tommy Redding, Connor Donovan when he's fit, uh, possibly Devron Garcia, possibly Richard De, uh, Larea, possibly Hadji Barry. I think it all depends on how the, the MLS team's preseason season goes. Um, obviously, see how the injuries are, if, if they sign any more guys. Um, so, I can't I can't really sort of say yet. Yeah, so, like for example, housing, he's going to be with us for the whole year because that that's not the case. I mean, if if, if the first team need him or if the MLS team need him, then obviously he'll be with them. If if they don't, then he'll be with us getting minutes. So at this stage, it's still really early um, to sort of to to state one way or the other where those those guys are going to be.
0: Uh, Coach, I was interested to to find out, you know, what your take is on on having you know, Lewis, Neal around and somebody who can help you out uh, both on and off the pitch. Uh, what is the dynamic like? And, and has he taken some of these young guys under his wing?
2: Yeah, it's it's been probably the best signing I'll make. Um, and that's with no disrespect to any of the other guys that, I, that I'll sign. But I, I think the moment I found out Lewis had agreed to join us, um, I was absolutely over the moon. Um, I mean, I, I think first and foremost, Lewis is a still a fantastic player. Um, he's, he's intelligent, um, he's technically very good, tactically very astute, still keeps himself in a really good physical condition, can play any of the midfield roles for us. Um, he'll be our captain this year. Um, and the, the way he's taken on the role, even in this first week, is, has been fantastic. He's um, He's been a... A really good resource for the younger players um, in and around the locker room, um, and we had a meeting on day one, and, and I said to the boys that <clears throat> they'd be stupid not to look at Lewis and the way he conducts himself in training, off the pitch, how he looks after his body, how he lives his life, because he's obviously he's had a great career, um, and if they can, um, if some of those boys could have half the career he's had, then they will they will have done really well
1: um you also had a good career and you've, you've chosen to make a, that step into coaching um you've also seen some other people come with you lewis is going to have that part-time player coach role and um, rob valentino who was really important to orlando city fans has also made the move with you um how has it been adjusting for you um to being a head coach but also having to help those new guys as well take the the coaching role of those lads
2: yeah, it's been a challenge, but it's been a challenge that I've really enjoyed. Um, I mean, obviously, I've I made the, the transition, or I finished playing over a year ago now, so I was on the, the coaching staff last year, um, and the, the way it turned out with finding out when I when I got the job as OCB head coach was probably six months ago or so now, so I've had a long time to, to prepare for it, um, get everything planned, organized, try and recruit good players, Um it's been like I say, it's been a long time coming, but but now it's here. I'm I'm delighted, and I'm I'm really looking forward to to getting to work with our boys, um, and obviously get getting our getting my ideas across on how I want us to play and, and structure things from a from a playing perspective, and um, with regards to the other guys, it's it's been a good experience for them as well, I think, and because I've obviously been through through this transition sort of a year ago, and and Rob and Lewis are just going through it now. I can almost give, help them and, and give them advice on, on different scenarios, different situations. And um, But so far, the both of them have, have transitioned really well. I mean, obviously, Lewis is still playing primarily. Um, but getting, getting them used to their new roles has, has been good. And they, like I say, they're taking it on really well. And I'm, I'm delighted I've got the two of them working with me.
0: Now, you know, a lot of us play football manager and we take over these these big EPL teams but your dad actually did that in real life, um, and, and so you've seen—you've sort of seen the the pressures and and all of the, the the stuff that can come along with with coaching at the highest level. And yet, you chose to do this anyway. What was it about it that that made you want to follow in your dad's footsteps?
2: Uh, I think being around him so much at a young age. Um, I mean, thinking back to when I was like twelve, thirteen years old in school holidays. I've, I'd go with him and wherever he was managing, I'd I'd literally, I'd go and train with the, he'd let me train with the first team, believe it or not, I'd be in the offices and I'd go and scout games and um, I'd literally just, I'd be with him 24-7 and I mean, I've got a really good relationship with that. But we're really close. So I think growing up around football, it was it was always a given really that that was what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a professional player, which I was lucky enough to do and then the, the, the next transition was, was going to be into coaching. I mean, I've known for, a long time that I wanted to be a coach when I finished playing. So I've been, I've been preparing for it. Um, and just, just seeing the, the life of the dad's lived and well, I don't really know any difference to be honest. I don't think I could go into any other field or, uh, any other sort of employment because this is all, this is all I know really. So it's, it's one of them. I mean, obviously I see the, the stresses and the strains and the pressure that the dad's under and he's obviously at the, the elite, the highest level possible. Um, but it's something that I strive towards myself and
1: would love to be, to be there one day myself. Um, you talk about the stresses and pressures of being a head coach. Um, obviously, this mm. is OCB's first year back in USL. Um, we had a really successful USL franchise previously. There is going to be that pressure to do well. Um, what, what are the team's goals for this year, especially with such an expanded uh, um, USL league now more than over two years ago?
2: It's a good question. I think the the goals are twofold. I think firstly, it's important that people understand that this this team, or Orlando City B, is going to be different to how the old the Orlando City in USL was before. Um, this is this is a team that is, is going to be young, uh, barring a handful of players, um, and we want to develop those players and then and, and improve them, and with the goal of moving them onto our MLS squad. Now, with with younger players comes inconsistencies, um, and it's my job as a coach to to try and minimise the the inconsistency level. Um, and obviously, I, I want us to play. I want us to play good football. Um, I also am very very competitive, and I want us to win games. So, for me, like, to answer the question, the expectations are from from my point of view is is to try and make the playoffs um, and be successful from a results perspective, but also to play good football and or create a culture and an environment with the group where we develop all our players. Um, And I said to the guys on the the first day when they came in that it's my job um, as a head coach and our job as a a coaching staff with OCB to make sure that every player that comes in um, is going to be better when they leave the club, whether that's in one year, two year, three year, four years or five years, whatever it is. But I want each and every one of them players to have improved and got better the day that they leave. And if they all do that, then I'd be... I'll be a really happy man and know that I've done my
0: job. You know, I look at this roster that you guys have put together and I've seen a lot of of guys that could very easily in a short amount of time graduate to the senior team. Young guys still, but but guys that have that, you know, have got that kind of quality, guys like Kyle callen Mcfadden and and uh Boxy maybe. Uh guys like that. And obviously the rookies that have just been drafted. Um, what is the challenge for you and for Adrian Heath in terms of uh, of, of the long term strategy of, of not only producing on the field now but getting them ready to take the next step?
2: I think initially it's it's obviously to to look at them as players and as individuals and, and know what their strengths and their weaknesses are. Um, try and obviously improve their strengths um, and then focus on on. I'm improving the weaknesses as well. And and, I mean, look, none of these players that we've brought in, uh, are the finished product. I think that's important, but they've all got potential and they've all got really good attributes. That's why, why we brought them in. Um, and we see, we see something in them that they have that potential, that hopefully we can extract from them that they, they can go on and play for our MLS team. I mean, we have a, we have a number of qualities that we look for in players, um, Technically, tactically, physically, uh, psychologically, that, that that we think um, is, is going to be suitable for us in the long term to go and play in the MLS for us. But the most important thing for me now, anyway, my job is is to try and obviously improve them all individually, um, but also get them to buy into the, the team perspective and how we want to play our football um, and our our system in possession, out of possession. So I'm improving them individually, but also Trying to build a team that's successful as well, so it's going to it's going to be a real big challenge because obviously when you throw in a, a new group of players together like like we are at the minute, it takes time. Now the lucky thing that we have is we have a long pre season. I mean, our first league game isn't until March 26th, so we have another eight weeks to work with the boys, which is good, um, and it gives us time to obviously get our ideas across and see if everybody can gel and we can get a good good group dynamic together.
1: Um, and you talk about preseason um do you have any ideas there's going to be a lot of scrimmages um are you going to have some schedules released soon so that we can start seeing those players in action in the field out in melbourne
2: yeah we have um we have a number of friendlies that have been arranged at the moment i don't know <clears throat> which ones are going to get announced that uh, the public can go and watch and which ones are going to be behind closed doors games that Hasn't been confirmed yet, but I'm hopeful it will it will do in due course.
0: All right, coach. Before we let you get out of here, uh, I just wanted to sort of get your take on uh, maybe two or three guys that that you've got on your squad that Orlando City fans haven't seen yet that are going to surprise some people this year in Melbourne playing for Orlando City B.
2: Um, I'm I'm going to be really boring, and I don't want to single anyone out you don't mind I don't want to put I mean we've signed, we've signed a number of young players it would be foolish of me to single out two or three put added pressure on them um, and then from from the other side is the guys that I don't mention so I, I, I hope you don't mind but I don't really want to answer that question all I'll say is I'm pleased with all the players that we've brought in so far um, and hopefully we'll, we will have some, some more news in the coming weeks about some more additions so stay tuned <laughs> All right, fair enough. Um,
0: <laughs> so, uh, you know, how long or like how much, how many hours a week do you and, and Adrian spend, you know, sort of talking strategy of, of what you're planning to do with these, this group of players?
2: A lot. I mean, at the moment it's it's been, it's been more the, the planning and the preparing and the training session is very really difficult because of the numbers that we have. I mean, we've, we've had a long off season, so we've, we've been able to have, to have some good meetings and some good conversations about the guys that we're bringing in and where they potentially fit in and um, the way that we obviously we want to play, the system that we want to play, and sort of moulding that around the younger MLS guys that we expect to come down. So we've had, we've had a good number of conversations, um, all positive. Um, and the good thing is, is that Adrian's been impressed with the number of the, the USL players this week in training with the first team, which is always nice to know that because at the end of the day, he's the one that that has to like them for if, if they're going to make that jump. So it, it's been it's been a pleasing aspect for me that the, the boys have all acquitted themselves really well this week with the first team, um, and it stands them in good stead now moving forward.
0: All right, uh, Orlando City B head coach Anthony Pulis, Thank you so much for for being on the podcast, and uh, good luck in the club's inaugural season. No problem. Thanks a lot, guys. Speak to you soon. Well, wow, that's almost it for this month's edition of the Mayland Podcast, episode thirty seven. Really big, big thanks to head coach Anthony Pulis from Orlando City B for stopping by and, and giving us uh wouldn't really wouldn't really talk too much about his players, doesn't want to single anybody out, don't want anybody to get a big head this early in the season, but uh uh it was nice to talk to him. He was very insightful and, uh, you know, just good guy to talk to.
1: Oh, yeah, he he was great. He he offered a lot of insight, and I think he's really kind of stu- – he's excited for the season as much as I am, so I I like that about a coach.
0: I could have kept that going for a while. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to take up too much of anybody's time, but I probably could have talked to him for an hour just about his dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's got to have some great stories about his dad.
1: <laughs> Hopefully we'll get them next time.
0: yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll have to have, uh, Anthony Pulis on again. Um, Orlando city B, uh, you know, good schedule for them, you know, right out of the bat, three out of four at home. So, um, uh, hopefully they'll get a, a chance to get to know one another gel a little bit, and we'll get a good chance to see who's going to be playing for that team. And if, if you had to guess, Andrew, which Orlando city players that played last season will be suiting up in Melbourne this year?
1: Um, I mean, I think we've got some obvious ones. I think Harrison Heath's going to find some time between the two. Um, I, I still, I know we got Mason Stadjahar pretty much locked in as number one. Um, I expect potentially Edwards to get some playing time too, if he's not getting some with Orlando City main team, just for those games where, you know, you talk about that May stretch, where they have basically three games in seven days. Um there's going to be some moving around. Um, expect Tommy Redding, Tyler Turner. There's going to be some definite overlap there for those guys to get some time and get some minutes, which is the whole reason that we brought the franchise back home. Um, and then obviously expect someone like Matarazzo if he stays with the team um, to get some time as well, or just sign with OCB and be that player in general.
0: Yeah. And I could see some, maybe some, uh, definitely some games for Connor Donovan, um, maybe we'll see Estrella down there. It's hard to say at this point. There's there's so many young guys mm. that it really is going to be a battle in in throughout preseason. So these the preseason games are going to be very important for these kids, these younger guys to to sort of make a name for themselves, not just the draft picks, but you know guys like Debron Garcia who was just signed. Um they're going to need to really show something because this is now a deep enough team that uh you know they could end up in the reserves fairly easily. Um so uh, I'm looking forward to the battles and, and looking forward to seeing the guys on the pitch in their purple uniforms again. Um, before we get out of here, Andrew, uh, obviously the MLS schedule has been announced as well. Wanted to get your thoughts on the 2016 schedule overall, and you know which game on the schedule would be your dream road trip. Um. <sighs>
1: It's tough because I, I want to say as much as I don't like Yankee Stadium, um, I'm loving week like week three's game against New York City away. Um, I think that's a good early season test for us after the you know, after the off season. Um, other than that, I would potentially also, I'm going to go with a New York City theme too. I'd like to see the Red Bulls away in July. Um, I think that would be a good season test for where we are in the middle of the season, um, against the current MLS Porter Shield holders. And I'd also just like to see that atmosphere and see what we can do. It's unfortunately a Wednesday game, so the atmosphere might be a little lacking, but maybe if I go, we can turn it up a little.
0: Yeah, I'm interested in this season. This season, is, so there's a lot of Sunday games this year, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of them are, are earlier in the day than you know the, what we've had. It might be one of those years where you know Orlando's home field really shines through
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, because of the heat, you know, throughout the season and, and playing afternoon <laughs> games on Sundays. I think that can only help Orlando and hurt those teams that are already got tired legs from traveling. Um, there's a couple of games that kind of stick out for me in, in terms of of games that I'd really like to see. I think um, I would, I would love to go to the StubHub Center and see the the game against the Galaxy on on September 11th. Um, That'll be an interesting game from, uh, from, you know, they're going to be a good team. They've got big star players usually draw pretty well. I think that'd be a good game to go see. Um, Also, you know, I think that the fans at at, at Mopre Stadium up in Columbus are are nice, you know, nice and rowdy. And I think they create a great atmosphere for their team. And I I think maybe something like that July 23rd road game there would be a good game to go to, especially if both teams are are battling for playoff positioning, Um, which, you know, certainly we hope so, because Columbus should, again, be one of the better teams in the league. And if we're around where they are in the standings, that can only be a good thing for us. So, and, and then I guess the third one that stands out to me is May 15th at uh, Children's Mercy Park at Sporting Kansas City. Uh, you know, Dom, obviously, I, I think Kansas City has a very good atmosphere. They're, you usually put a very good uh, team on the field. That'd be a, a good uh, road trip as well. It? And it. I don't know how often you say a dream trip to Kansas city. But, <laughs> well, that was um, it. you, you, you kind of prefaced
1: it with dream trip and I, and I've looked at that one on the rest too, and there was some pretty good cheap flights out there and I, but it's not my dream trip. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I think it would be a great place to go to the cauldron and, and, and see that atmosphere. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm going to stick with my two. I, I like the, I like those early, those tests that we'd have to face on the road. Um, because I think those really let us know where we are as fans and where the team is, can be and what it can do, especially in the summer. um, Sure. Trade window closes.
0: And if you're talking about just a a city that I'd like to go to, obviously the the team is going to Vancouver this year. So that'd be be a good one to go to. Long
1: haul cross country flight.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I have been to Calgary. I, I know how long it can take to get out there. So, uh, that'll just about do it. I will be back in February. Um, Probably the third week, midweek uh, of February, and uh, we'll be back with episode thirty-eight. Uh, who knows what, who we'll have next? We had Tom Sermonti last month. And we had Anthony Pulis this time out. Uh, we'll have to see, you know, who uh, who turns up in our in our guest our comfy guest chair, uh, you know, <laughs> in February. And after that, we'll be back to playing games. So it, it's it's you know right after the February edition in the off season we'll pretty much be picking back up weekly. So um, we'll be podcasting more often. We'll have to, I'll have to actually work harder to get guests, which (laughs) kind of sucks for me, but, (laughs) but but, you know, we hope you've enjoyed this and, and we've enjoyed, you know, bringing you, you know, these off season, you know, things can be a little bit dry sometimes because there's not as much going on and there hasn't been any big splash signings or anything like that. But, you know, I think we've, Made up for a little bit with the guests. And, you know, certainly if you have any questions for us, you can always ask them uh, at Twitter. You can get us at at the mainland and uh, that's T-H-E-M-A-N-E-L-A-N-D. Or you can email us at the the mainland at gmail dot com. And uh, we'll be happy to answer your questions here on the mainland podcast. Uh, So get those questions into us and we will do our best. You can ask us anything. You want ask us if you, you know, where you should take a cruise or, you know, where to go on your honeymoon or where to even have dinner. We're, uh, we're experts in all fields. So we'll, we'll be happy to tell you. Yes, we are. Okay. So that'll do it for another edition of the mainland podcast Uh, until next time. I am Michael Citro and I am Andrew Harrison. And uh, we'll sign this off as we always do by saying go city.